Welcome to the Squarebase Podcast, your home for news, reviews, and thoughts about the upcoming Old World from Games Workshop. In this video, Val Heffelfinger and me, Val Heffelfinger, the voice of the Old World, will be bringing you universal special rules information and joy and fun. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Rob. Yes, Rob. And I'm joined yes. by Mr. Val Heffelfinger. Hello, Val. Hello. You've leaned back. We were doing a little pre-show set, and you immediately leaned back. I get it, though. It's because we did well there. I like that was. I, I, ooh. So, everyone, welcome to the show. Thank you again, as always, to the Patreons for supporting the show, and thank you to everyone who leaves a comment because the Squarebase Show does give you Val. It's your one hundred percent reply comment guarantee. Although there was someone who commented "woohoo," and it blanked my mind. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what to say to "woohoo." Woohoo back. Normally, no, no, I, I know what I usually do. I just go square bass. Usually, I just, if I just get like a far out type comment, I usually just go square bass. In fact, square bass. Get there right now. Let's, let's, let's get complete. When you, when we fist bump in the future, are we fist bumping on bass or square? <sighs> Fair. What? So I say square bass, fist bump, or fist bump, square bass. Oh, fist bump, square bass. Square uh, bass is like one, it's like one syllable. <laughs> square bass. Square bass. Square bass. Okay, well, I'm really happy to be joined by you or be or do a show with you, the voice of the old world. Um, when did that happen? When did uh, I become the voice of the old world? When the old world Facebook group, which we encourage you not to post this video Never into, post don't post this video in there at all, uh, or links to this YouTube channel. Um, I feel like uh, I might have bullied them into not deleting my stuff because <laughs> I've I've been I've. Been, I've been uh, I've one hundred percent been posting the links every week, uh, as have other people. So let's keep it up. Let's stop. Let's just not post in there, guys. Let's yeah, let's keep not posting. Keep not posting. Uh, and so I'm fortunate to be joined by you and uh, excited to talk about Old World Almanac, Living Saints, and special rules. But Woo! before we get into that, what I imagine is a hot nugget of juicy rule goodness. We should hot talk juicy nugget. <laughs> Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Like that Popeye's chicken sandwich I had on the way to the Square Bass GT. Whoa. Yeah, also, there's a new chicken run coming out called Dawn of the Nugget. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, because I was vetoed uh, yesterday in because we have we have the Rogue Hobby staff party on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> some people don't know that I'm also employed fully. Um, and uh, we have the staff party. And so the decision is to see... Uh, oh no, Chicken Run got eventually shouted down, but I tried to veto it and was mercilessly told off uh, for vetoing uh, Chicken You're Run Just see Napoleon again, huh? Just double Napoleon. Two Napoleons in a row, I think we should see. The double feature. The double feature. That's all I want. That's all I want. Um, what were you trying to segue to exactly? I was trying to segue to the uh, no. I was just introducing everyone, saying hello, and then I was going to then do the follow up, beginning of how have you been, what I've been up to, how's the square bass world been for you since we last were on air. Um, well, um, my my uh, casita is still disaster. I, uh, I I I published one short last week. I think it I think it tanked our entire channel, ruined everything. <laughs> I still have no, no. Still have what? I don't care, man. You made a short that, like, so on our YouTube channel. There's a short. The short is great. It was funny. It was engaging. And you're trying to do something outside your comfort zone. And if you're not watching these shorts, this is going to be a short. If you're not watching these shorts, you should be trying harder to uh, 
Let's, well, we yeah, should be try making harder at watching the shorts. That's right, Rob. That's yeah, right. yeah. Try that's... Harder at watching the shorts. Yeah, because YouTube only really wants shorts. Doesn't want any. See, that's what I thought. But there's this hilarious moment in the in the viewership. It's fun watching all the stuff. For those of you guys who've never published on the YouTube, it's a lot of fun because you get all kinds of graphs and like I love spreadsheets and stuff. So I've been doing a lot of like graph watching. And uh, and there was there's a graph of the of of the short where it's like it's at 500 views. It's been climbing nicely, and then in the span of 10 minutes, it spikes 500 views. And what that means is that uh, YouTube was like, oh, this might be popular. Let's let's send it out to the people. And so they put it out <laughs> to the people it, it, for 10 minutes, and then never again. So we got to a thousand views, and we are now at 1,100 views. Uh, because we totally failed the test, but that's fine. Uh, they shouldn't offer shouldn't offer Warhammer related shorts on very specific, uh, like rules updates to just the general public. I don't think there's no. Maybe we should just have the butt cam on our Warhammer takes. That's what we'll do. We get the lady with the G string. No, stop. Move on. on Listen. The loop. No. So the, and we just talk about Warhammer. With the butts in the background. And it doesn't have to be a lady. We can make we it said in. We this. We too. said this when we set everything up. You and me, we are both passionately excited about the old world. We're going to build some minis. We're going to play some games. We're going to talk about some lore. And we're going to have a good time. It doesn't matter right. how many people join us for the journey. If people join us not at true. all, that's incredibly ex- not true. <laughs> 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 if, if people join us for the journey at all, I feel very, very, and I, and I hate using this word, but blessed, honestly. It's absolutely wicked. I'd feel like, more blessed if 250 more people subscribed so we I, got to 2,000. But I'm also I mean, gonna no, I'm also gonna big you up. No, I'm not letting you feel bad about this. You've inspired me. I've also said now when I do honest wargamer streams, I'm gonna 100% reply guarantee. Do you wanna know why? It takes an incredible amount of effort to like write a YouTube comment and reply, like and do stuff. And I'm like, that is awesome that people want to engage with us at that level. People It is pretty cool. People have supported us on Patreon. That's nuts. That's okay, nuts. That's nuts. All that's right, nuts. nuts. Okay, so get your head in the game, man. People like you. You're the voice of the old world in the old world Facebook group, not on TikTok, apparently. Not Uh, there. Is there someone on TikTok? Maybe (laughs) I need more shorts then. Damn it. (laughs) We definitely need butts for TikTok, though. I mean, you can't argue with that. No, that's not true. That's not true. You could just. We you don't need butts on TikTok? No, what you could do is we could just. It doesn't matter. Let's not get into that. There's a whole thing right now. It's a whole thing. Okay. We don't need to do any of <laughs> Look, that. Look, I don't have low self esteem about this at all. This this venture has been wild. It has been an incredible ride so far. I'm having such a blast. I'm sick of these stupid previews. I just want the rules already. God damn it. But. No, I think that uh, is a, I think that is a frustration I'm picking up from you. And I think it's a frustration a lot of people share. Because while each of the rules is exciting. Initially, first couple of weeks, now it feels like we're being drip fed and you're like, come on, come it's on. Not the, it's not the drip fed. It's like it's like if if like at the end of, you know, at the at the end of Wheel of Fortune where they get the phrase, but they're never allowed to buy a vowel. So you just have all the consonants. <laughs> so like, I just want to buy a fucking vowel, man. Let me see the rest of the phrase, guys. Like we have some blanks. We have some blanks that we need to fill in at this point, and um, it's not going to be that long until we can. But it's still, you know, I'm a- I've been edged along enough now, guys. Big news, Gabe in the chat. So obviously, if you watch this on YouTube or listen to the podcast, we are recording this live in front of the Honest Wargamer Twitch studio audience, which we do every Tuesday at the moment. So do check us out. It's on this Honest Wargamer Twitch. But Gabe from the east coast of Australia, one of our uh, old world sister uh, or brother chapters 
spreading worldwide. We've got Sweden in the tank. I know that for a fact. Canada, America. Chuck has mm-hmm. said he's already starting the American old world team. You're, you've got <laughs> yeah, Canada. He's captain. He's captain. captain. Uh, so now we, we've got... We we have said one day uh, that uh, we were going to run a world cha- team championship in Iceland, and then someone took that very seriously. Uh, I think maybe from Iceland. I'm not sure. And now it feels like the world team championships will be in Iceland. It will. Uh, we have a logo. It's it's done. We have captains for teams. Uh, it's all very exciting. Uh, but anyway, you don't know. I've been organizing this fastidiously in the background. Uh, it's yeah, I mean, close to done. Like- How's the charter for Canada coming? I mean, the charter. I am the I am the charter. <laughs> we don't need no charter. We don't need no stinking charter. Kidding uh, me? A charter. <laughs> Have you, how? Why would we learn from any other attempt to organize an international team tournament? No, 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 no. Sure, no, no. There's, this is all autocracy. However, I do appreciate the last time I went to an international team tournament, the only reason I got to go was because it was in the very Instagrammable uh, tourist destination of Croatia. Ooh. You picked the second most Instagrammable tourist destination of Iceland. My darling wife has wanted to go there for some time. So I think I can get at least one square-based international team tournament out of this. Oh, oh, I've got like I also know three people in Iceland, so like I'm I'm on this. Incredible. Yeah, so I think, okay. you need, I think it's a buddy system thing. Like we need we need at least yeah, like, yeah. like probably a few dozen Icelandics. Yeah. yeah, you do. You do. Iceland's kind of perfect as well, kind of Kislevian, you know, like it's fun. Anyway. I mean it's very appropriate. An island in the middle of the Atlantic, but not like one of the warm ones. I don't want this to overrun, okay? So I don't want you to get all the hot gossip out. So I would need to ask you, any old world in since we last spoke to you, what you've been doing? What have I been doing? Oh, oh I was trying to say the casita is still completely bombed out. I, I, uh, I haven't done anything. Oh, I, I was trying to say this before the show. Um, all this stuff talking about Bretonians. And, uh, and like I've, I've always been like thinking about it like other people. Other people have Bretonians. I don't have Bretonians. Turns out, no, that's not right. I have so many Bretonians. I have just so many Bretonians. So, but they are all sort of the person who painted it, like painted it over their like hobby life. So, like they're freehand and they didn't know how. To, I guess they thought that freehanding was easier than learning how to use decals. Hmm. So, it is a bit of a hobby like rehab project. And I got obviously I'm going to rebase this army because I think they'll look particularly sweet on the new 30 by 60 spoilers available um, from us. Available uh, maybe? Have you did, did we brand them? Did Tom put the brand on them? Tom's also done a lot recently. I think he is today. I think that's on his list today. That'd be lovely. So um, yeah, so that's we, a great. I think that's a great Patreon um, Patreon perk. Just yes. Saying. Yeah, no, we're going to put them. So what we're talking about, sorry, is we've made fi- digital files uh, for 30 by 60s and 30 by 30s with mm-hmm. magnet holes on. And they'll be, if they're not on the Patreon already, which I think I did, but if they're not, I'll do it. It's directly after this show. So they'll be available. Like, for oh, just, We should probably put the 40, 40 by 60s on there too, because that's a very you know rare. What? Do you know what? We're, 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 we're of the people. Let's just put it on there for free. Let's just put it on. But that's just where it's located. Yeah, just up there on general, on Patreon for free. And- can we not try to screw people over just for like once, just for once, or do we have to be the good guys all the Let's time? Let's be the good God. guys. Let's be the good guys. Fine. Fine. We'll be magnanimous. I can be magnanimous. You are Fine. magnanimous. Come on. At any rate, um, the uh, uh, Bretonians I have are lovely. And um, again, spoilers, 
It took me five minutes to be able to figure out which ones the Grail Knights were, which is not good. <laughs> I think what you're alluding to is that uh, the the Bretonian Knights uh, not getting new Grail Knights, uh, arguably the kit. I would say... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I was playing orcs and goblins. I feel like black orcs are the kit. They're the kit. I'm not 100% sure if that's 100% true, but, you know, feels like that. that's definitely, you know, on point. For Empire, I feel like it's long swords or... Uh, great swords. Yeah. Great, great swords, yeah, great swords. I can see that. Do you know what I mean? I can kind of feel that. High elves, i got to say it's either... Not that either of them need updating, but Phoenix Guard or White Lions, but both of them are fantastic kits anyway. So they're fine. Um, dwarfs, it would just be your dwarf warriors, your standard dwarf warriors, which also hold up pretty well, I think. Uh, but Grail think Knights I'd, are the. Go if, on. Well, I think if I could interrupt just for half a second, it's just, I think the kit of Warhammer Fantasy chat in the comments, whoever you want to be, this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Blood Knights, the original Vampire Blood Knights. I feel like that is a legendary kit. Like in Pewter, it cost a million dollars for like four of them. I think. I think. Uh, the, I feel I like think that the, was like that's like most legendary kit. I think that's like the kit. I think the cost of the Blood Knights really like sold the Blood Knights. People were like, oh, Blood Knights. And the first thing someone would be like, what, so the first thing someone would say would be like, that is expensive. That's expensive. <laughs> that's just that's breathtaking. <laughs> Every time, yes. I think I think it added a little bit to it. If I'm 100, percent oh, like ooh, ooh, blood, real Blood Knights. Ooh. That's that's spenny. New blood knights look great though. Uh, yeah, but they're on properly proportioned horses, which is just problematic. Um, <laughs> also, you did something. You did something. You did something. Kind of. I don't know how when you did this, but you did it. You put tickets on sale, man. Are we saying it out loud? Well, we've it's already we been soft launch. We should say it out loud. Unless have you have you taken a few tickets now, just in case though. Uh, I have taken a few tickets out just in case. All right, so yeah, like, we can soft launch this. Yeah, no, so this is a hard you, launch for, I'll include, for, the, for the fans. I'll include it in the show notes. But yes, we have announced the date, and I've put the date of the Old World uh, Squarebase GT uh, available for sale. Um, I like, uh, yeah, just put it up on our Eventbrite. So the Honest Wargamer Eventbrite Squarebase GT mm -hmm. keywords that should all work on Google if you want. It's in Nottingham at the TSN Arena. We only have 24 right. tickets um, oh because we have, I think, a very lovely venue. Like each table yeah, is venue. an independently like free table. That you have a, there's a gaming chair at each uh, table. Um, so I, I think it's like arguably one of the, there's free soup. It's uh, drinks <laughs> are free. Um, it's one of the, the. I think it's. I think it's arguably one of the best places to play Warhammer, maybe in the world. Uh, I don't know if it's honest. arguable. I don't know if it's arguable. Oh, what do you mean? You think it's not good enough? No, jeez, oh. that was dark. That was a dark insight. Obviously, it means that it's inarguably the best oh. venue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, a, no. There were the there were really side of the coin on that one. No, there are really um, nice places around the world, but like you're on a there? table. Yeah, there. Are, I think so. Well, but like, Wargaming bunker. We're kind of going from the best to the best. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Only. Yeah. Let's only host these events in the best. I agree. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. I was gonna say that uh, Squarebase GT two. Warhammer the Resurrection because it is Easter weekend. So uh, luckily Rob and I are uh, atheists. But for those of you who also don't mind missing church on Sunday, um, it's going to be sweet. And uh, I'm, I'll be flying over, doing a little tour, doing a little tour, going to pop through London, maybe visit Bath, maybe swing Both. by, mm -hmm. Bath, 
Yeah. Try and drive on the wrong side of the road. I'm going to rent a car, Rob. This could be bad. Uh, um, no, you'll be fine. The the thing is that like I am the tourist who needs the uh, look right. No, sorry. Yeah, look left. Is it look is basically in London you have like in yellow on the ground everywhere. Like before you walk across the sidewalk, which way you're supposed to be looking to not get hit by a car. I don't think the cars have these, so that could be problematic. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think I'm gobsmacked at how many tickets we immediately sold, and the fact that you're already coming over. Um, mm-hmm. Like, and then we didn't tell anyone. I just was like, okay, I need to because what I have to do is I have to book the event. I get asked to go to loads of different things, do a lot of stuff. So mm-hmm. I like book it mm-hmm. in when it's when it's available. So I'm like, it's booked in mm-hmm. now. Um, it's there, and then I just kind of soft put it up. And we have run a lot of events over the past few years, so we, you mm-hmm. know there is kind of a subscriber list, which I think maybe they get push notifications. I don't know, uh, but immediately people like saw it, and then the most unexpected people were DMing me and being like, which is kind of sweet actually. Let me tell you this: I haven't told you this yet. I got DMs no. from people being like, Rob, I bought a ticket. And then they were like sharing it online. They're like, I bought a ticket. I'm so excited. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I only know you as like a very serious Age of Sigma player. Like, what the hell is going on? They're like, dude, fantasy. That's like, that's how I started. I played as a kid. Like, you know, I played Goblins. Goblins in my army. Like, he's like, that's all I care about. And actually, uh, kind of another thing, because um, I saw this comment online or I saw it in the YouTube comments recently and I'm not sure I 100% Wait a minute, was that Nathan? Was that voice Nathan? Is Nathan coming? No, <laughs> no, no, not Nathan. Nathan. No, me and Nathan did used to play. He might play. He still has 200 goblins on square bases. I would like to meet him. <laughs> okay, I'll tell him, I'll tell him. Uh, <laughs> Nathan Prescott. All right. Wait, yeah, all right. Um, I'll make him be the ref. <laughs> It'll be like completely the opposite energy to Pete. I'm like, what, like, could you ref, please? I'm like, what's the answer to this question? I'll be like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Just, uh, just yeah, that's the angle. Um, the, Maybe we, can, we, should, we should do a little, uh, we, we should fly Pete in. We should find a way. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's finally the time we should pull the Kickstarter lever. Yeah. Raise, raise the funds to get the Falcon in to, 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 to run the GT for us. Okay, I could do that. Yeah, done. Uh, the what was I going to say? Uh, the, the really sweet comment I saw was so I had these people message me, and it's actually really sweet because you've talked about this a lot before. You've talked about the bubble, um, or like effectively, you know, what happened is, <clears throat> and eight years is an interesting gap as well. Sorry, lots of thoughts there at once. Basically, what you've said in the past is you hook them when they're kids, and when they have the money later on they're out there and they're playing. And then you said mm-hmm. you think that generally the Warhammer bubble is going to die off in later generations because there's less kids being pushed into Warhammer when they're younger. I would say I don't necessarily agree. And I think like Magic the Gathering and other stuff this, as maybe... This was directly related to malls. The fact yeah. that like Games Workshop, especially in North America, used to live in malls where kids would just hang out. Mm. And so that was that was where this came from. And because the mall died... I wonder, like, now in order to go to a games workshop, you generally have to drive there, and it's like in a, like a sad strip mall or like a, like a very low density open air thing. That was that that was the original thought, but yes, yeah, well, I, think, I do think there, and also just millennials in general is the bubble. Yeah, I also think I also think NA is slightly different to how all of the other. Um, all of the other like nations kind of work like you know like the there's I mean not England is obviously very different because Warhammer World is here but like you know most other towns in not England if you walk through there's a games workshop on the high street most of the time um, you know and England is a very walkable 
it's a, and most of Europe obviously very walkable places that's generally what you do you hit a city you're walking around so I think mm-hmm. that still kind of exists maybe not as much in NA because the malls have died as you pointed out but anyway my mm-hmm. kind of point was all those people who play Wild Fantasy Battle and then eight years you know when they were that kind of time that most people take off from playing Warhammer this isn't everyone's journey, but most people's journey. Uh, and then, you know, at the time when they're about to start playing Warhammer again, or should be, they relaunch the game that they played as a kid. That's quite a yeah. nice kind of like correlation, which I thought was really sweet. Uh, but to see the excitement in these people's faces of, you know, of the thing that I did when I was a kid and I'm returning. And obviously we've talked about the fact that they're using nostalgia a lot as a sales technique. And they're specifically... The fan service is out of control at every level right now. It's, it is it is out of control, but yes. Oh, and we know some other interesting facts as well. Go ahead. I told you about the 80% thing. 80%? Uh, 80%. So, like, uh, as I understand it... <clears throat> Um, Games Social Marketing was told uh, to when they launched the Horus Heresy last year, when they were told they were told only focus on returning customers. Like we're not interested in new customers for the Horus Heresy. We only want all of our messaging to be directed towards existing customers. Which it feels like that's what's happening with the old world. I, like I don't know if that's your opinion. My opinion is, is it? Do you share that feeling? Um. Sorry, what? Sorry, I got, someone said I was right in chat, and my and I just couldn't hear anything but angels singing. So, um, <laughs> what I said was, See, is, you does can it feel- do this. You can talk to me and chat at the same time. I don't know how. If I glance at them for two seconds, I am gone. <laughs> I am gone, and I am useless. I apologize. You should probably just stop and start the recording again because. I, be, you were going somewhere there, and I'm sorry. It's okay. So my friend, my friend Buben once, when I was in Sweden, he asked me, he said, Rob, how does someone become incredible at Warhammer? And I'm like, well, you could be great at Warhammer by practicing and trying really hard and learning. And he was like, okay. But I was like, you need, like, mm-hmm. you need to be slightly mentally unwell to be able to be great at, like, incredible at Warhammer. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you yeah, need, yeah. like, an obsessive... You wake up and you're thinking about an army. You go to yeah. sleep, you're thinking about an army. Like, like it takes up your day, you play too much, you live in a Warhammer house, like, you need to be obsessed. Anyway, so, uh, like, I'm obsessed with streaming, so I'm fine at that. Yes. Like, it's fine. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay, yes. Yes, that's what I'm trying I'm to say. I'm looking at you. I'm yeah. looking at you. Chat, we'll talk later. Rob, you were going somewhere cool... And then you asked for my involvement. So let's start, stop, new game, hit me again. Finish that story off. Uh, The other day, my partner asked me what dinner I wanted, and I said, be quiet, chat. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) to finish the story, (laughs) what I was saying was was, uh, that um, would you think that lots of the messaging and marketing for the new stuff has been directed towards older people returning and not directed towards new people. Is that a fair statement? That's a tremendously fair, like fair statement. Yes. And we've been picking up on that for some time now. Yes. And also the game, the game design itself is feeling very fan servicey as well. Agreed. So my point was, as I understand it, marketing last time horror service was released, which was kind of the same studio thing. They were told to focus on returning customers, not uh, new customers. And then sales, like sales reports are in and they had, 80% of the people that picked up Horus Heresy stuff were new customers. 
which is kind of interesting information because I feel like that's going to be, I think that there's so many people who did love the old world, which is just the story I was kind of telling. And there's those people, but there's also going to be loads of new people. And I think that that's super exciting as well to see those worlds kind of like, you know, smashing together and also the passion of those two groups as, you know, people being like, I remember this when I was a kid and then being like, dude, I've never even played before. Like, it's going to be such an amazing kind of like high five. Oh my God, what do you love? It's going to be a real nice moment, I think, in the future. It, yeah, and it's kind of wild to think like, um, and again, I think once we actually start getting into the, into this week's preview, um, we'll see how deep uh, this, this, this thing is. Because like, it, we're basically getting a full game launched on day one, like basically what people in 40k, maybe even AOS, when they do the reboots, they kind of wait. Why isn't every you know codex release day one? And they say, well, it's not possible, it's not viable. We are literally getting that. We're getting a full fleshed out game um, that feels like they basically took eighth edition and ported it over uh, into their new sort of paradigm, which feels like it's gonna. It's I don't know. Feels like a lot of good compromises. Looks like they've they've made a lot of very tasteful editing choices from what they've picked and chosen from previous rule sets. And it's just going to be so much. I don't even. I'm a bit overwhelmed even anticipating how we how we're going to go about covering. You know how many factions? Nineteen factions, I think, something like that. I, I, off the top of my head, I'm not. I can't remember exactly how many fantasy factions. Nineteen. We're gonna have to like book a week off. It's just be like, like for real, dude. Like I'm gonna need to get a babysitter. We're gonna like like. I mean, I, I mean, I want you, you know, to know. I want to. I'm gonna grind out hard. Like they'll be like, "Are you guys not in bed asleep yet?" I'd be like, "Fuck no." Yeah, we're grinding this out. Oh, 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 one last anecdote, which actually, uh, this is good. We can use this for a short because I wanted to do it. I listened to a really great uh, podcast by a guy named PJ Vote, uh, and, uh, and he um, does this thing. Uh, he asks, it's called Search Engine, and each week he explores a different question. And at the end of, at the end of, his, uh, at the end of his show, uh, he usually will start talking about the next question that they want to do. And his question was, what was the first emergency podcast um, I don't know if you're familiar with the format of emergency podcast. No. Uh, like, but like, it's like essentially, you know, like breaking news, you know, like, uh, you know, and I, and I remember uh, in my head, in my head, I immediately went, oh, it's got to be a Warhammer podcast. Uh, because I remember an eighth edition 40K, every time like uh, a new index got leaked or whatever, we'd all be scrambling to get a podcast up and there were emergency podcasts all the time. The first emergency podcast he could find was in fact from the Chaos Dwarf forums um from from like the year 2007 uh and it was in fact a warhammer podcast was was the first recorded example of a an emergency podcast going live to air with very important information which at the time was the forum is down uh and uh, don't panic everybody oh my but god yeah, that's so, so exciting so yeah so it's uh but i just feel like we're we're that type of people those who like it you know you are literally waking up in the morning thinking about it i mean like I don't know if you've done this, but like literally said goodnight to your Warhammer friends, sleeping next to your, you know, otherwise favorite person in the world, your your significant other or spouse, and then you go to bed and then you wake up and you actually message the Warhammer friend again before you've spoken to your spouse. <laughs> that's the grossest that's the grossest I ever feel about Warhammer is when I'm just like very much talking to Warhammer people before the person next to me. I don't think that's bad. I think being passionate about a creative hobby is uh, incredibly attractive, uh, and I think it's wonderful uh, for everyone out there. Listen, we're going to get into the rules. That's what we're going to do. We kind of did the vamping first instead of last this time, but that's okay. Yeah, we got an hour and fifteen. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think like I could do a timestamp twenty-seven minutes in, so people can. Oh, I've been putting timestamps in, Rob. Have you not been looking at my well, show notes? I'm telling you, twenty-seven minutes. If you want to write it down, take a note. Does uh, that inc- does that include the the trimming of the front? It does. Yeah. Oh wow! Shit. Okay. Cool. <laughs> wow, okay. Right, okay, so Old World, uh, hello chat, hello chat. Right, so Old World Almanac, Living Saints and Special Rules. Some some Woo! say we're Living Saints, I don't know if I agree. The Grail Knights are the epitome of Bretonian idea of chivalry. Epitome! Epitome! epitome. Every single person who's done man read book on this article has said epitome. Epitome! Yeah, now, I've alone. been bullied I've about this... Before. I've, been I've, I've listened to like four of these already. So you, yeah. I'm so sorry. You are like, uh, like later into this convo. There's a, a, a unit in the Age of Sigmar universe called the uh, epitome of um, a Sinesh, right? And then people would always, always be rude to me about it. And so I just dug my heels. Right. In. I was like, I'm staying. Okay, epitome it is. Epitome. You can't let the, you can't let the people dictate your tastes and preferences. Exactly right, right. Yeah, I know what I'm saying. I know it's wrong. As people, oh, thanks to Doctor White in the chat for donating five gift subscriptions. That's incredibly kind, Doctor White. Yeah, uh, warriors of immeasurable prowess and exemplars of courage, virtue, and noblesse oblige. Uh, <laughs> arguably, they're going to do it all wrong. That's my idea. Arguably, the most devastating heavy cavalry plying their trade in the old world. These are literally the last living saints. Your average devotee of the dark gods wants to meet out in the battlefield um now they we have got a whole unit profile so i guess we should talk about that first uh there you can see the excellently sculpted grail knights i mean those lances have a lot of reach they are like i can see that they are indeed straight but they they signify to me that they shouldn't be something about (laughs) them makes me feel like even though i know they are i feel like they won't be they won't be very sure. Like I, the person who took this photo of them was just like, and here we go, oh, fucking son of a, like just complete, like just constantly bending them. Um, yes, they are made of metal, everybody, um, and they will be once again returning in glorious uh, metal. Insane, uh, and, uh, insane. And they're just... very little. They're very short. Like I have, I have them. I'm looking over there at them, and like they're just, they're not great. It's just not very good. The uh, That's okay. we, we have to admit that this is this has to be one of the ones that does not get, you know. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll talk about it later. Right, thirty-eight points a model, uh, which uh, I know you've got Let's loads say. of thoughts on. Loads of thoughts on. Uh, so when do when do I just start vomiting ideas out of my brain? Well, the, yeah. Uh, let me let me run through the profile a tad, and then you can just start hitting me with some info. Um, uh, but that, the point is that they are that's the same amount of points as they were in yes. old Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Pretty sure. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that 38 points per model is where they were. You and me talked about this already, and I was like, it's going to be incredibly ironic if the entire game is more expensive, you know, like everything's 10% more expensive, or, you know, units are worse or better, which I know you've got thoughts on with this as well, but the one example they choose to show is where they've (laughs) given it the same amount of points, but the unit profile is different, to just utterly, (laughs) uh, utterly break everyone's brain. Um, Um... yeah, we've so far we've seen same samey profiles. I could see them very much just sticking with what what they had, because honestly, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think has been a, a like a a, a a a design philosophy they've been using, and I could see them not wanting to mess with how they had their points already arranged. Uh, and maybe one day we see them re you know rebalance them later on once they have everyone playing it. It also gives them a good baseline, um, right? Like, if yeah. they're like, right, mean, this is what yeah. the game looked like, 
how do we fit rules around those points versus how do we fit points around these rules? Um, exactly. And yeah. they have a good starting point already. Uh, so why not just roll with it? Um, I mean, uh, there, there are some undercost. There are some like chestnuts of undercosted and overcosted things. Um, okay. And also, I think cavalry, especially elite heavy cavalry, like our friends the Grail Knights, were considered heavily overcosted in the in the meta of Eighth Edition for a lot of reasons um, that perhaps no longer apply as much if you're if you're adding back a lot of things that made heavy cavalry really good in previous editions. So. This is where we can get into talking about the Grail Knights. So maybe they kept it where they were, thinking that the buffs, uh, you know, have made them relatively worth their points again, uh, which they were not necessarily in 8th edition. Okay. Even though, you know, Grail Knights in a Bretonian list were kind of important. They're one of the only heavy hitters that they had in 8th edition, but they weren't the, like, world killers that they may have been in, like, 6th and 7th. Yeah, or or as they're written in the uh, in the the law. Obviously, we we have some ludo narrative dissonance available <laughs> to all of us, which is fun. Uh, okay, so they're one wound apiece. Uh, is the interesting part with two attacks each. Uh, their toughness four because they're obviously on a horse, um, and they uh, movement pretty fast. Movement eight. The big news is that they've got a troop type heavy cavalry, and their yep. base size is thirty times sixty millimeters. Who would have known? Who, Who would have known? Could have possibly said this. Oh my by god! The way, great book of grudges, by the way. Not to pick a fight with my my boy Nathan. Uh, but he's out there saying he's been calling this for a year and a half. Nathan, come on, man. I don't think, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if you've been saying 30 by 60 for a year and a half, but that's longer than we've been around. So convenient that we can't say we've been saying this longer than you have, but I'm going to say it. We've been saying it longer than he has. Has he been saying it before images were shown? Before anything. He was just out of his butt. No, I don't think so. The guy, like, he's just, he's just always online recording things. So. Who knows? Maybe uh, he was. Maybe, maybe he was he's got a source. Maybe he's got a source. Uh, okay, but thirty by six. Nathan, so Nathan has genuinely been rebasing his armies since we started this show. Like I've been watching him on, on, uh, on, on, uh, on the uh, on the Twitter or the X, and yeah. uh, so like he has like without hesitation like gotten rid of all of his twenty millimeter bases. He's gone for like full tilt. He's one of the only people I've noticed doing that. Um, Miniature realms as well. One of our one of our. Uh, always uh, commenting uh, fans here. They they actually, I think, I don't know if it was based on our guidance, maybe it was from Great Book of Grudges, but they went full hog and actually rebased two 30 by 60s before this was announced. That's called bravery, folks. That's called cojones. That is cojones. As I understand it, there's still going to be, there's still going to be some 20 mils, 25 yep, mils, 30 25 mils. mils. Um, and, no, there's still... no 20 mils. Are you, you've heard there's 20 mils? Are you sure? Or are you misspeaking there? Oh, maybe, no maybe 20 mils. mils. Mm, no, 20 I might be misspeaking. No, I don't no, think I, I, because like some stuff, because whatever the, 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 uh, the horse size, because this is heavy cavalry, light cavalry will be on the old base size. So, well, yeah, the question, the question is like, what counts as, as light cavalry? Because if we, if we were to go to It'll say the, light cavalry, like Marauder well, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean like right now, like intellectually. If we had oh, to guess, what Marauder counts as like cavalry? Marauder horsemen. Okay, what about Illyrian Reavers, uh, which have been photographed uh, fighting um, in that one 
Okay, basically that one article where we see all the bases. What? They look. You see wolf riders in that in that photo, and you see um, um, you see a bunch of high elf stuff in that photo. So the wolf riders are to me clearly on twenty fives. Um, let me pull it up for you. Okay. Uh, well, the the important part to note is that like. Um, I'm not 100% certain everything makes the shift. That's kind of the, like, yes, that's that's my statement, which I'll stick to at the minute. Uh, uh, and I agree. Yes, yes, yes. So I think and, and, a full yeah. rebasing at this stage is keen in some cases. Um, I think you can make, so I think, though, we can make some pretty educated guesses, which is I agree. one. All 20s are gone. And I would say that, the one that's really hard to guess at is which 25 millimeters stay like currently 25 don't go to 30 millimeter. Mm. So that one's a hard one to, to like guess at. Have we also seen like movement trays a la uh, the a Song of Ice and Fire where it's a movement tray with the holes? Uh, like, have you seen a Song of Ice and Fire? They have, yeah, of course. They have movement oh, okay. trays with circular holes in, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I'm hoping some of those are, are files that are out there, and if they're not, definitely going to get some made. Uh, we need so spacers, yeah. We need spacers that you can just slide those into, like so existing trays. Uh, we need like trays that are just circles to rectangles, basically. Um, the I problem is, I, I, what I'm saying is, is like I would very legitimately accept someone having a tray that was the right frontage for, um, you know, five cavalry or you know, thirty dudes or whatever, whatever the frontage mm -hmm. would be. And yeah. then that tray was the frontage, and then you just had some circles representing the dudes on the tray. That would be fine by me. That would be super oh, okay. Oh, oh, and then they're, they're just like, so you don't necessarily even have the right you amount of dudes. On yeah, it. you don't even have the right amount of dudes. You just be like, there's you know, there's 27 dudes in here. There's a dice next to them, or there's a ta there's a tracker. There's 27 dudes. Well, kings there of war. Go. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like, mean, I, that's fine with me. I think me. this is something. I think when we. Um, uh when we get the full picture which hopefully will be soon just saying if there's anyone out there we got a little bit of patreon money in the kitty maybe you've gotten the rules early maybe you feel like you've been <laughs> no, treated we can't poorly no 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 maybe you feel like you've been treated poorly but as a play tester maybe they haven't no. taken all of your really good ideas <laughs> no. Do you know what just dm me just leave maybe we should talk to one another maybe we i can make you maybe feel a little bit better about stuff and you could uh, you know, give me privileged information. I, as I, I, I need totally to, will send you money for it. But. I need to right now, obviously point out that very much like Fox News, Fox News, this is a, an entertainment show. Uh, and therefore that was a satirical joke. It's what, uh, we were engaging in. Let's just be clear. Uh, uh I, yes, definitely to. a satirical jo joke. Um, I will not pay you for privileged information, <laughs> which I think what you're saying is illegal. And I get that now. And that was totally just a joke. It was a joke. That's the point. I don't read my DMs anyway. Don't worry about it. I do read them. Um, so we're... we're <laughs> anyway, we anyway. Wait, so someone pointed out in the chat, I think it's a good point. David uh, uh, has said that heavy cavalry and base sizes are separate on the chart. So it's unfair to think that, you know, all heavy cavalry will be on that base and all yes. light cavalry will be on that base. So it's a really good distinction. Well made, excellent. Yes. But I do think we'll see some twenty-five dice sixty. Let's not become the uh, let's not become base uh, enthusiasts right now. Uh, it, feels, it, it does feel it does feel though. I would, I really want to say that like, it feels like if it's a horse, it's still it's on a thirty by sixty. Because I'm looking at these bloody elves right now, and the Illyrian Reavers they look like they're on thirty by sixty. The Wolf Riders, the Goblin Wolf Riders, do not. They look like they are on the old twenty-five. So I feel like the I feel like the the old 
size is going to be like dire wolves and and uh, chaos hounds uh wolf riders like that like literally like spider riders i think that'll be 25s i think if you're on a horse you're on a 30 by 60 yeah it makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense okay so we got and size. What we've seen maybe even a 40 by 60 sorry to keep interrupting oh no you no. can go on no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Unit size three plus. So obviously there are minimum. If you're new to this, how this all works, uh, there are minimum unit sizes. And then you normally pay for each individual model you add into the unit. Then normally mm -hmm. you'll buy an upgrade for the unit and it applies <laughs> to each model. So if you're adding, let's say, barding or something, you're adding you're adding to each individual model into that unit. So if you've got 10 dudes times the cost by 10, if you've got nine dudes times the cost by nine um and then you normally pay to upgrade uh to have a command core in most units sometimes not sometimes you'll have a monster and you'll give them some sort of special upgrade like a flaming attack or something uh so you know basically you pay for all additional rule sets it's an incredibly elegant way of actually um uh, you know, balancing a game. It was never mm. done well. I want to be very clear. It was never mm. done excellently. And we've seen it repeated in 40K and we've seen Age of Sigmar and we have seen 40K move on from those where they're like, just take the unit. 10 of those dudes cost this. Do what you like. Um, so funny. They, like you were, you were explaining how this works and I'm like, why is he being so pedantic? And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, because none of the other games work this way anymore. Like it was in 40k, both have left like the uh, ability to uh, you know like really micro sculpt your or like uh, I don't know be very detailed in how your units are kitted and all that kind of stuff. I just sort of took it for granted. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so a lot of people might not know that this is the process, right? Like, um, so that's important to talk about. Uh, and yeah, there also isn't a cap on the unit size. Uh, although that will be in army construction, this will probably be these will probably be rare or elite units. Therefore, they'll probably be twenty five percent total of your unit's cost. Sorry, of your army's cost. So there will be a certain amount of points you can spend on this unit, and that's it. Uh, I so feel, I, again, I feel like we're going for Sorg. I feel like it's going to be for Sorg, but we'll see. Uh, we will we'll see. see. We'll see. Um, um, the, uh, the, the, it's a minimum unit size. Uh, there is no maximum. That is an interesting quirk of fantasy. Um, there are very few units that have ever had an upper cap to how many uh, people you can bring in them. Mm. Um, now, different instances of this, so you can't have like 100 units of 3-plus Grail Knights. Uh, usually that will be limited, like Rob said. Even, even, uh, even when it was a percentage, you could only bring two pardon me, rare selections in a game under 3,000 points. So there's always some sort of either limiting the like the, the, the type of choice or the to total um, uh, points allocated to it. There's always going to be some sort of limitation on it. Yes, there's definitely always going to be like, there will be a cap because of how it works, yeah. right? Um, but like and importantly, you can't buy individual upgrades. So, for instance, if you decide to have barding on all of your guys, they all, they they have barding on everyone. Like there is yeah. there is there might be one super elite unit in the game. I don't know where you could individually choose weapons, but that just isn't generally the case. It's everyone has something, and it's mm -hmm. across the whole unit. So they're effectively uh, like you know wound. They're just basic wound markers. Um, but then we've seen the equipment that they do have. And again, this is universal special rules, right? They've got hand weapons, lances, heavy armor, and shields. And each one of yeah. those effectively is indicating a rule. Heavy armor means they start at a five-up armor safe. 
Shields indicate that you add plus one to the armor save, so that's plus one. Uh, also gives them a ward save in combat. Um, uh, six plus. Does it give a ward save against shooting? Uh, what shields? Oh, it used to, yeah. In eighth edition, anyway, parry saves were in combat. Yeah. So if you were being fought from the front, uh, you got a, a parry save in combat with your shield and hand weapon. Um, if you use your shield with the lance, I don't think that would work. Uh, you would not get a parry save. It was only hand weapons and shield. So subsequent rounds of combat, when you lose your benefits of having the lance, uh, you would maybe get a parry, parry save. Yes. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, so that they all indicate basically special rules, like USRs, Universal Special Rules. And then it tells you about the Bretonian Warhorse and its rules. It's got Iron Shod Hooves, which count as hand weapons, and it's got Barding, which adds plus one to your armor save. But this is where there's some spicy news available here. So armor saves are effectively built up of a bunch of different Universal Special Rules. So you'll start yeah. with your armor type, like light armor is a six, heavy armor is a five. Have you got a shield? Plus one. Are you you, mm -hmm. uh, do you have barding for your horse plus one? And traditionally, if you are mounted on some sort of mount, you would add plus one. But this is for you. Yeah. Oh, uh, but uh, we're no longer getting the mount plus one. Where did we get that information uh, from? Uh, it was confirmed. Actually, this made me want to go back and review all of the Facebook posts. Uh, it was confirmed on Facebook by a member of the whoever confirms things on Facebook from Games Workshop, from the uh, from the old world Facebook ch uh, channel, no less. Um, and they said that, actually, the response was a very um, um, SBF-styled, uh, yep. Um, and uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. Uh, <laughs> um, <the, laughs> uh, basically, the question was, I noticed that it's three up, normally it would have been two up. Have they, have, have they lost the uh, plus one for being mounted? The answer, yep. Which means these 38-point Grail Knights, with one wound, one wound, half of them are going to die if you have an AP of neg one. Um, and uh, that seems like not good, Rob. I'm not going to lie. Everything in my Warhammer experience teaches me that that is bad. Um, so there might, there must be, to me, there must be other means of getting these guys some defense. Can we start talking about this? Like, are we ready to get a little deep, dive deep? Sure, sure. Uh, do, you wanna, do you want me to just wrap up uh, the options really quickly? Because we were talking about that, and I don't want people to get confused. Then you can give us the whole spiel. Is that good? Sure, yeah. I, ju I just wanted to say that, like, uh, so then talking about buying upgrades, uh, which is how units will work. Because, again, I think there's some confusion in the chat, so I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of confusion for other people. What happens is... Now, this might not be true, so it's either going to be force organization chart, and if that is the case, then that'll be the way it works. I think it's more going to be your classic 50%, is it 50% your army? 25% no, has to be core, so there'll be units that are defined yep. as core, like you're like you know, what makes up an army, and 25% of your army will have to be that. You can have up to 25% of heroes, or might be 50% lords and heroes, something like that, but that's a maximum. And then rare and elites, or whatever it's called, special rares or whatever, uh, those will be different unit types. So maybe Bretonian Knights will be one, and Trebuchets will be the other. And then you can only have up to 25% of those. So you cannot have all Grail Knights, or that probably yeah. is the case. 100% yep. not certain. So I just want you to talk about that. And then, additionally, you can pay for unit champions and unit things. So you can have a Grail Guardian, who's a champion, uh, which will normally improve your leadership for the unit, basically for seven points per unit. So once... Give you an extra upgrade. attack. And yeah. also, this particular champion has a bunch of other benefits too. Yep. 
which is great. A standard bearer, uh, which is seven points, which is also super useful because then you can also have a magic standard up to a hundred points. So uh, there are loads of generic st standards and probably standards available for this army as well, um, which is awesome. And then you get upgrade to a musician um, and the musician lets you uh, basically uh, do a musician test when you do some reforms and stuff. So it's useful. Normally you buy all three for elite units. It's just like all three. Depends, but yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then uh, a Grail Guardian, as you can see, can take a knightly virtue of up to 50 points. So you would buy the Grail Guardian, and then you can give the Grail Guardian even more cool shit. Don't forget, this is it's kind of an awkward unit for them to show off, because this is a unit with all of the upgrades, basically, I think. Um. Well, no, actually, this... this I, to be quite fair, to be fair, to be far, uh, there actually aren't that many because they kind of they only have one they only have one weapon option, uh, which is their lance and oh, and, that's true, uh, yeah. and things. So actually, you can get a lot more granular than this by by a good margin. Um, the uh, thing that's particularly cool about this is that that um, Grail Guardian, the unit champion, who I think is kind of a new guy. I can't remember what the champion was before. He's kind of acting like a hero, like so, like as in, like um, the option, the ability to bring a knightly virtue, virtue, and uh, you know, magic totals up to fifty points, or uh, and also in the unit to have a magic standard worth up to hundred points. That's kind of giving them the benefit um, that um, you know, like normally you'd have to take a in the old game a paladin um, to be able to you know carry that banner or to um, you know juice up some knightly virtues and things like that. So. That's kind of cool. They're making these guys much more like characters. Again, I referenced the Blood Knights earlier. Uh, very similar in, in style to the way that those guys were set up for vampire counts in previous editions. Um, you're seeing that this being a sort of a unit of heroes. However, if we could scroll up, let's have a little look at this stat line, shall we? Yeah, please. Talk to me about it. So we're going to look here at the old stat line. The Grail Knight's 38 points per model. So in the frame of reference, that is Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Um, you know, 38 points is pushing around 40. This is where you start getting to see things like Monstrous uh, Cav. will usually probably be somewhere, or Monstrous Infantry, both those types of models. They're going to start being, I think 38 points would be on the cheap side for those guys, probably in the 50 to 60 points per model categories. We're going to start seeing them. However, there's a big difference with those guys. They got an extra wound or two. Usually they're, they're rocking two to three wounds um, and, um, you know, a similar toughness of four. And this is where we get into a problem that has existed for some time with elite cavalry in the game is that they are as expensive as some other options and not nearly as survivable. In Warhammer, we always have seen, um, uh, like, if, in using my, my example of 40K, you've got um, Space Marines forever. We're on one wound with a three-up save. And Games Workshop was like, ha ha, elite warriors of the universe. And turns <laughs> out what that means is you die. You die very easily. You die quickly. You die like dogs. So my guess would be that these guys have a ton of rules. And if uh, and they can charge a billion inches, we can get into what they can do. Um, but my guess would be is that um, unless there is, and obviously there's an entire game behind this that we don't know about. Sorry, I'm showing my background. Um, there's an entire game behind this that we don't know about, but as it stands, this is a classic overpriced elite unit, uh, from, from Warhammer, um, in the sense that it, it's got lots of good rules. It's cool. It's elite. It's on the cover of the, of the army book. It dies immediately. Don't use it. Unless of course we, we see things that give them, uh, additional ward saves. 
um, some way to juice them up to a two-up save or a one-up save. Um, because any amount of AP wounding their toughness of four uh, means that their, their save, which is a three, will go to either a four or a five. And that's 38 points per model for each failure. Um, so that's why I'm skeptical of Grail Knights. Um, oh, we might see and, uh, we might see some recursion mechanics put in as well. Could be a thing, you know. Recursion you see... mechanics? What do you mean? So, like, Grail Knights, living saints, uh, saints famous for fairly coming back to life. You oh, know? where they can be. Yeah, like, there's so many things that could happen that, to justify this 38 points per model. And maybe they worked backwards from the points cost. Maybe they're like, okay, we don't want to give heavy cavalry more wounds. How do we make them actually worth you know, what points. we're used to paying 38 points because they do layer on a bunch of buffs. They also added a, le- a pip of leadership um, and they've added uh, an additional toughness. Um, when we saw the Pegasus, I believe, no, not the Pegasus, the unicorn, um, we saw that the unicorn, I believe, added a wound to the profile. Is that how it worked? I think. Yeah. Um, uh, and so we were, I was wondering, will war horses and other mounts do similar things? Doesn't appear as such, but it does raise the question, will most mounted uh, like cavalry models now get plus one toughness? That was kind of a traditional thing in a lot of other, like in Warhammer 40,000, if you were riding a bike, for example, you generally had plus one toughness in your unit profile. Mm. Maybe that's something they're adopting here because these guys would have been toughness three in past examples. Um, I don't know if this is just Grail Knights getting beefed up or if that's... um, you know, uh, just uh, something more broadly where cavalry gets plus one to their toughness. Humans would normally be three. I don't know. Um, so that's purely speculative. But so, yeah, they're a bit tougher. They're definitely better leadership. They have a butt ton of special rules built into them. Should we talk about um, this? Sure. Uh, but the important part is with no plus one save from being mounted, they end up on a three up save, like you said. And And they were already like so in previous games because like elite cavalry um, that uh, saw the table was generally speaking elite because of its armor save. So, And that was a one-up armor save. So that means that even if you had a negative one, you still had a two-up save, things were okay. Things like your Empire Knights, your Chaos Knights, these guys were still pretty expensive points per model basis, uh, but they at least had really good armor saves and ways to buff that. Um, Bretonian Knights, as a rule, because they didn't have, I think it's because they didn't have plate armor, Essentially, they were starting from a higher tier anyway. They could only get to a two-up, which means that they were getting bumped down to a three-up if they had anything hitting them uh, with any any degree of, of negative to their save. So they were always in tough uh, versus other more more hardened cavalry. Um, and uh, it seems like that is only worse at face value. Again, there's, pro- there's lots of things that could be in these rules that give them more survivability. But okay. maybe it's something you got to layer on. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, okay, so Blessings of the Lady are the special rules. So these are universal special rules. Blessings of the Lady, Close Order, which we've seen before, Counter Charge, mm-hmm. which it sounds like a USR, Finest War Horses, which sounds like uh, like uh, a Bretonian thing, First Charge, Bretonian thing, Lats Formation, Bretonian thing, Living Saints, Bretonian thing, Swift Stride, I feel is going to be... Uh, a USR and the Grail Vow, uh, yeah. which is interesting. I I do have one criticism of this, one only. Right. I would have liked to have seen USRs, which are USRs as in across all armies, be in one yep. section and mm-hmm. then rules that are specifically to Bretonians. So if I was trying to look up yep. some rules very quickly, I would know where to delineate between the two. It's my only criticism of that. Um, it's in alphabetical yep. order instead 
Yep. Um, but I think you could have done alphabetical order and broke it out. That's just me. Yep. I don't know if you agree I think that. that that would because they are in two different places, that would have been a great thing to have a distinction of. Mm. Here's here's where you know, here are the unit special rules, here are the faction special rules, here are the universal special rules. In alphabetical order, that would line up really well. But hey, I but think when we went, doing but, pretty good. But when we make a wiki or whatever else we're gonna make, which just have all the USRs available in a searchable function, that won't matter oh, yeah. either. So it'll be fine. Uh have as you some, can see have some game aids. Exactly. Some real good game aids. As you can see with the weapon skill six, five initiative and two attacks, this band of brothers are truly terrifying proposition. But their stats aren't the full story. With heavy armor shields and barded Bretonian warhorses, they gain a save of three plus, confirming what we're talking about. While the lances give them plus two strength on the turn they charged, and armor bane one. So here yeah, you can we see- we find out what armor bane is, which is great. Yeah, you can see what a lance does. Strength plus two. So whatever their base strength is of the model, and you add two to it, AP of two, two on that weapon. And it's got armor bane of one. Uh, models whose troop type is cavalry or monster only, uh, lance can only be used during a turn in which the wielder is charged. In subsequent turns, if the wielder did not charge, the model must use its hand weapon instead, uh, which is fine. And then there'll be a profile for that. And you've got armor bane. If a model with a special rule rolls a natural six by making a to wound roll, the armor piercing characteristics of its weapon is improved by the amount shown in the brackets or become armor piercing three. It's pretty effective. Um... Yeah, I mean that's. I think I really like armor bane type things because basically, yeah, you're getting it's it's a form of critical hit, right? So if you get a crit, your your uh, your um, your your AP goes up a little bit. I just like to point out that in a Bretonian on Bretonian matchup, assuming that the peasant archers have longbows, which I think we do know that they do, uh, they have armor bane one. So that means that a you know let's take our thirty two Bretonian archers that you get in a box. What a whale of a deal! GW with 32 archers in one regiment box. Amazing. Uh, but let's say they all fire at our friends, the Grail Knights. Um, and let's say they're hitting half of the time. It's 16 hits. You're getting, you're getting what? At least three hits. Sorry, you're getting two hits at negative one AP. So that's one dead Grail Knight. And then you're probably killing another Grail Knight with the other wounds that you have as well. Um, so like that's just with a bunch of cheap ass archers that's what i'm saying about how unsurvivable these guys are yeah. um uh, and armor bane though in general as a rule people sort of like man but now we're gonna have to do the bookkeeping of knowing um what what wounds are what this is a common mechanic at least it used to be maybe not as much now but like i remember like shirkin catapults used to work this way on a six they had like minus four ap instead of whatever they normally would have. Um, and it's fun. I like it. It just means that you you just separate a little dice pool for the ones that have better AP and you save them on the different number. It's easy enough. I think a good, a good criticism of this, like just to be healthy, uh, is that, um, as Persia was pointing out in the chat, it'd be nice to have users, uh, USRs, Universal Special Rules, with the same name, do something remotely similar across systems, like Heresy, Legion Imperialis, in the oh. Old World, all have different armor bane rules. And I do agree. Like, uh, you know, oh, structure... Yeah. Oh no! I think no! I think that's legitimately very fair. Like especially we, if we're halfway into the article where they're getting like internal, and uh, in, like internally calibrated across like one game, and now we're already wishing that they were across all games. <laughs> what I'm saying, what I think, it, I, what I think is a fair point though is if they have armor baited, just call it armor danger. <laughs> just, you can JYT JYT is just like oh man they're gonna love these USRs I put them all in the same place oh, oh they want me to do it for all the games oh my no. god this is this is huge this is huge I don't know if anyone has noticed but this is a fanboy moment I've just heard 
Go ahead. Val, when using his English accent, didn't use his disrespectful English accent. He's created a new respectful, thanks for writing the old world back into the game, JTY, the, John Taylor York, uh, the, our creator of uh, the old world, shout out to him, we're all fans. He has a respect, I did not know that you had a, a nice English accent. It's, it's, it was more of like a Bob Cratchit, uh, you know, like uh, Christmas Carol, I guess. Uh, but the one you use for me is like, the one you use for me is legitimately disrespectful, like intentionally so. <laughs> That's a huge moment. Like, well, you're a fan. You know, Maybe if J J T J T Y J Y T J Y T Jonathan Taylor York J T Y J T Y um, you know I mean like if if you if you uh, you know wrote wrote an entire edition uh, to yourself uh, then yeah maybe maybe you'll get a respectful one too <laughs> um, but anyway I think I think we're you know we Armor Bane X you know it works for me um, this might also be one stolen from WAP I think which uh, is great I also wonder how much of this entire thing is just because Matthias Eliasson wrote an entire edition himself over a period of years. And, and, and this writer at games workshop was like, well, I mean, if that guy could do it, why can't I do it? And, <laughs> and like, and then he just wrote the whole edition himself. It was like, guys, do you know, we could just do that. You know, like one person could actually just type all this stuff up if they had enough time. And so if I just, uh, I can just project manage this too. I can just talk to like playtesters and just ask them questions. They can tell me stuff and I can just listen. I don't even need to do it myself. <laughs> I don't even have to play it. Yeah, I can listen. Have other people do that for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. This is a universal special rule. Just uh, one of about 75 in the game. It seems like a lot at first glance, but this new system simply collates a lot of special rules that once lives in several places. Things like psychology, unit clearance, and monster rules. Close order is a good example. In the past, you just had to know that units that weren't skirmishes or fast cavalry operated in ranks and files. What we now know is a close order. Now every uh, unit that has all its formations listed as USR, calling this out and clarifying. Likewise, stomp attacks were once listed under the monsters rules, but now it's USR. It's possible to be more deliberate which, uh, with which monsters have the rule and which don't. It's also easy to remember you've got a stomp in the first place. And then there is maybe art. I'm going to shout out this art right now. The, the, nice. the art. This might be art that has inspired tens of thousands of people to play this to game. Play. Yeah, for like, sure. I gotta say this for shortsies. Um, can we just go back? Can we back up quickly to just to that the the their blurb about USR is just there? Yeah, uh, where they're talking about like snobs and stuff. I think what this actually leads to is is ironically um, that because not all monsters have stomp now, now you're gonna have a billion bespoke monsters. So again, it's it's one of those things like careful what you wish for. Um, I see why they would want to like remove things. Like they're they're trying to separate rules from other rules, so that way um, there's more flexibility within making them. Like for example, taking AP and separating it from strength. You have each characteristic independent, which means you can tune the rules a little bit better. Uh, you want to take certain um, special rules out of the definition of say monster, um, so that way things that not all monsters probably have the ability to stomp things or should, um, and so you want to separate them. But now you have less situations where you can just look at something and be like, okay, that guy's got stomp attacks, blah, 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 because he is a monster. Um, so again, it's a six of one, half a dozen of the other. There are benefits to doing it this way, but there are downsides, which is now we're going to have very bespoke. Sometimes they have it. Sometimes they don't rules. And that can be a little frustrating. So just sort of 
the grass, you know, it's it's got its pros and cons doing it this way. I think that's really fair. I think that's really fair. Um, I think I think that you should play armies longer. Like I'm not a still mania guy. I'm not a still mania guy, but jumping between a billion different armies is just never going to let you settle. Uh, and units mm. as well um, is never going to let you settle into like learning those rules well, especially if you play mm -hmm. casually. Like I understand, like you know, you've played one game three months ago. You play in the next game. You don't want to play with the same army. Um, yeah. You know, you've been excited about a whole new thing. It's a lot to learn. Warhammer is hard. I think that's the it's thing. So hard. It's hard. I think that's. We, there's something like Warhammer is, is hard. It should just be a t-shirt. That's a t-shirt because it is. Warhammer is not for everyone. Uh, it I is would, hard. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah it's hard. <laughs> uh, I got I to shout out um, a thought that I saw online. I was shout out Eater of Brushes who makes, uh, he's just a Twitter dude I know. He's a good guy. Posted mm. a tweet out yesterday which did really well and resonate with people. So it's definitely not my idea. I want to shout it out. But he said when we see the boxes for these uh, minis, um, I would quite like to see the box art as the as the you know front of the box, with the except uh, and not see the minis. I'd like to see the box art on the front. I think it's more evocative, and I also don't want to see ground arts on the front of a box. <laughs> yeah, they'll have a better chance of selling them. Um, I wonder how many boxes we actually see. Period. Uh, you know, like I, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, like a lot of the stuff will be online only. Uh, web card only come in that Citadel white box, I think, probably. Um, so like the newer stuff, though, will probably have pretty box design. I'd agree that I would prefer to see the artwork also would be hilarious because it would collapse the new in box collectible um, uh, box market because that's why the, the ones that are worth or at least people pay the most for are the ones with the box art, not the minis on them. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I'd like to see the art. I think the art would be great. And I think it's probably too late now, obviously, for that decision. But that just looking at that, just scrolling to that part of the article and that being the front of a box, I'm likely to look at that box more than those minis. It's gorgeous. I would just love it. Like, I don't know what the main difference is in their, in their artwork and, um, you know, between then and now. Like, for example, the, <laughs> the art on the cover of the leaked Bretonian novel, which maybe we'll talk about later, um, is is not nearly as beautiful and evocative as say that is um you know um in like and, and no disrespect to the you know the artist that pushed it out i suspect that the brief was um you know much more narrow uh, and, and the you know the time to work on it was probably shorter um and uh, wasn't as worth you know going like this is a this is a beautiful painting um whereas you know maybe now it's, there's a lot more stuff that's sort of tossed off on an ipad uh, and just to sort of have oh no that's absolutely you know I mean? no 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 that's uh, like um, uh, the in-house the in-house artists um, are uh, like they all have their own like uh, I know for a fact that Tony uh, encourages his artists to work in the style and way that works best for them to mm. create um, so they all have and they're all hired for that they're all given different projects also they're like quite nice they're like a collaborative group of artists so like if mm -hmm. they're stuck on a project they can start talking to one of the other artists as well I think the, the art you see coming out like Black Book stuff or like Horus Heresy like when you saw that stuff that was all those artists working together in cohesion I think that stuff is excellent I think it holds up to that Bretonian stuff you just haven't seen it and obviously like Blood Bowl art is a very different intentionally yeah. different aesthetic and maybe um, sds and maybe sds will bring bring the heat with their their artists like if, 
for sure. And like, I think that so much of, I, I think, again, that, that evocative quality of fantasy, I think is rooted in the art. Every time one of Agreed. these things drop, they, they show a piece like that, uh, like uh, where, where it's just these iconic uh, illustrations that people like clearly like have, have had ingrained in their minds. And there is something I've seen people sort of mumble about how the art isn't as good as it used to be. And I think it's kind of hard not to argue that like, Maybe there, maybe there is like there, there was a, a you know more freedom to go further and to spend and invest more time on an individual piece uh, in the old days than there is today. And I don't know why that would be. Um, and I hope that SDS allows their their illustrators to really marinate in the setting and and provide us with some new like imagination exploding pieces that. Uh, we can just stare at and, and dreamily think about stuff while looking at, you know? My example would be currently Necromunda, where obviously, like, you know, that's been revisited from where it was, and mm -hmm. Necromunda is just in a stunning place. The art coming out of Necromunda is constant. That's also, it's not just, like, rarely. It's constant, and it's excellent. Like, and it's very Beautiful. evocative. So um, I think it's I think it's very, very good. Uh, in my personal Beautiful. opinion. Uh, okay, so then we've got some other stuff. Beyond USRs, there are also rules that only govern units from a single army, which are collected in the relevant army list, and even a couple of rules that are unique to a particular unit. These are listed mm -hmm. uh, on individual profiles. With that in mind, let's find out what exactly our ground is capable of. We've got special rules for the lady. I mean, it's fucking misogynistic. Uh, not square bast. <laughs> well, they're praying to the lady. Yes, the, the wood elf I'm in the joking. forest. It's a joke. Yeah. Uh, the blessings of the lady is an army-wide rule for the kingdom of Britonia. Instead of rolling to see who goes first, a Bretonian army may instead kneel to pray for the protection of the Lady of the Lake. This grants a six plus ward save, invulnerable save, against any wounds suffered, or five plus against wounds of strength five or higher. Of course, this blessing could be uh, lost by besmirching one's own honor, either when a unit flees or character declines a challenge. I'm just going to call this a trap immediately because okay. it's just it's a wood elf trying to get the Bretonian to give up going <laughs> potential to go first and charge them so that they can be shot to death with arrows instead. Uh, because that six up word, that six up word save ain't going to cut it. Ain't going to cut it sugar. When the, when the, when the wood elves of Avalorn are, are just peppering you. It doesn't work on 38 point models, but it works on a bunch of peasants. Like it's, yeah. a, it's, yeah. a, it's yeah. an economies yeah. of scale thing, depending on where you're at. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, 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 which is obviously bad for the elite unit. Yeah, you're right. Um, so maybe this isn't as, as good as we would like it to be, but maybe it is good. Who knows? Uh, again, situational, situational. Stunning art. Stunning, Beautiful. stunning art. Uh, close order we have covered already. Counter charge is, an effect, is effective against monsters, cavalry, and chariots. If our ground knights are charged by units such as I these. Can interject got, really quickly before counter charge. They, they say close order we've covered already. I don't think they have. And again, this is the reason why I think this is a Kind of annoying because there is open order, closed order, and skirmish. Um, so there needs to there there must be more of a distinction between open order and closed order. Um, so no, I do not think that they have covered it already. Um, yes, closed order it means that you're in ranks and files, uh, but in things like Warhammer Ancient Battles, when we did the deep dive on that a few uh, episodes back, um, we discovered that open and closed order look exactly the same. So on the tabletop, they would seem to be the same. They're both just in ranks and files. However, an open order formation would give you benefits to movement versus a closed order formation that might give you benefits to combat resolution. So there's probably, I would think, more rules than just this. Sorry. 
Sure, okay. I think that's a good point to bring up. Uh, it's effective against monster cavalry and chariots. If our ground knights are charged by such units, so monsters, cavalry, and chariots, such as these from a longer distance than their attacker's movement characteristic, they can spur their horses D3 plus one inches in response. Both parties count as charging, and an initiative then comes into play. This is huge. Yeah, so this is how this is the explanation of how counter charge works. Um, this is how it worked in Warhammer Ancient Battles, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of cool, um, which is basically you are you are riding out to meet your your attacker. Um, the biggest controversy, I think, from this paragraph is that both parties count as charging and initiative then comes into play. So this is causing people to think, whoa, wait a minute. Does that mean that if they hadn't countercharged, that um, the charging unit would have automatically struck first, Ooh. like has happened in previous editions? I don't think so. I think this is just, again, someone very sleepy and tired of writing old world articles and leaving some ambiguity behind by accident. No, well, no, we have, um, we have, like, I think, I think it reads well. Like, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. I charge, I get plus yeah. one to my initiative. We so haven't figured, we haven't heard how much, but yes, yeah, okay, we'll yes. assume some sort of benefit to initiative. Yes. Okay, perfect. So I get plus one. So then initiative would come into effect because you're charging plus one, my charging plus one, and then it comes down to what our initiative values are. I don't think that Correct. in any way references always strike first, unless I'm like I get it. Maybe it's just worded badly. I guess. I think the context is initiative would always come into play, um, and once combat starts, is the way we understood it before this was written. So basically, this makes it feel like countercharge is making it initiative based rather than uh, the charger gets to go first. I don't oh, think okay. so. Yeah, so no, that, I don't think so either. It's it's just the context, but people have been reading into this in that sense uh, because of just the the context of well, wait, wait a minute, what if countercharge wasn't here? Would that mean that initiative doesn't come into play? Mm. Is basically the way people are reading it. I I think it's much ado, much much um, ado about nothing. Over, over over nothing. Yes. Mm. I think it's initiative order, um, but um, will be really interesting to see, you know, how much of an initiative buff you get from charging. Um, they did say it's going to be more if you charge in the rear or the flanks, um, et cetera, et cetera. I love this. And by whether the way. or not their step up, whether or not their step up is a big deal. Yeah, I love this. I love you know your cavalry unit moves over my cavalry unit, and then boom! Now we're both charging. Let's get wrecked. Uh, this is good. This I feel like this Full is car very crash scenario. Yeah, this is very fun. Very fun. I'm going to make the board state more dynamic than I initially thought. <laughs> like this yeah. is going to this is going to produce a more dynamic board state, which is actually really exciting. So yeah, this is huge. Uh, okay, I'm actually think, really excited by that from a mechanics level. And it the, also makes it also makes like because it's it's what is it? It's it's all cavalry monsters and chariots. Yep, have have counter charge for the most part. Um, so that that makes them really interesting screening units. Um, so um, you know, like having that chariot sort of vanguard out, you know, or having a you know unit of light cavalry vanguard out um, to try and either draw a charge or to um, you know screen things out like rail knights bombing from very far away um, makes it interesting. I agree. Uh, Finest Warriors is another Bretonian only rule. Such is the quality of these noble steeds. You may reroll any ones when you charge, flee, or pursue before discarding any dice. If their first charge of the game makes contact, the target unit loses its rank bonus until the mm -hmm. next round of combat. Uh, land, it, it, oh, sorry, if their first charge, so first charge is a special rule because it's in bold. And then you've got Lance Formation allows Bretonian Knights to form their signature devastating charge formation, offering them a choice between this and close order. 
um, close, close, close order. Uh, so uh, this is close. really interesting. Finally, uh, so reroll ones when you charge, flee, or pursue is going to make your charges much, much more effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, much, much yeah. more effective. Uh, like, yeah. the, I think And that's not all. Go on. Oh. <laughs> well, no, there's, there's even more. Like, the, the, oh, we'll the keep stacking going. rules. Yeah, the stacking oh. rules on charging for Grail Knights is, is, a lot of, is a lot of fun. There's lots of stuff. Uh, Living Saints is a great example of unique special rules. These Grail Knights are such mighty warriors that they can individually issue challenges to enemy characters. Goblin <laughs> bosses, watch out. Swift Stride adds a further three inches to your maximum charge range and plus D6 inches to any given charge. Fly or pursue. Wow, that is fast. That is bananas fast. So this is where this is where things to me are a little convoluted. So previously they talked about how in the movement in the movement article it was discussing uh, how cavalry. Um, so just for those who don't know, in the new game, uh, in order to make a charge, it's two d six, two d six dice. You pick the highest of that result. So let's say it's a six, and then you add your movement value so if you're a human being your movement value is usually four so 2d6 pick the highest six plus four your maximum charge range is 10 inches um so uh this references a maximum charge range which they haven't really defined yet which is interesting um so there's a cap to how far you can even declare your charges because if you have swift stride now you are uh at least doing 2d6 uh, picking the highest, and then adding another D6, and then there's actually even more that you can add, I'm pretty sure, coming up, re-rolling ones. So these guys are probably, so it's going to be what, uh, you know, you know, like four, let's say, let's, four plus eight is 12, is like sort of their base, plus D6, we're at 15 inches, um, and I think there's a way to juice it even more on top of that. Um, so like these guys are going far uh, on average compared to other um, other other units. These are going very far, like very far. Mm-hmm. But swift, swift stride is a is a common cavalry rule. We're going to see, I think, because um, that's obviously not going to be just Bretonian. Uh, so, oh yeah, it's it's definitely universal. But the, again, like, does all cavalry now have swift stride? You know, or because it's not a cavalry. I don't think it's a it's it's not trapped by cavalry. So I don't think all cavalry default has swift stride. They have to have written it into the rule. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. There could be uh, situations where they don't get swift stride because of reasons. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, thanks to Epjellion in the chat for subscribing for the first time, which is which is rad. Um, I like the uh, you can individually um, do challenges as well. That's pretty fun, uh, mm-hmm. which is that's nice. Uh, that's really fun. And then the Grail Vow provides further benefits. They are unaffected by fear and terror, and they fight with magical attacks. And the first time they fail a break test, they may automatically fall back in good order, which is huge, which is absolutely huge. That that does produce. Like a very effective, you know, force that isn't going to ever be run down. They will be there till the end. That's yeah. very good. Uh, although if they are failing a break test, something's probably gone wrong. Uh, yeah. But yes, good. Good that they can't just be completely crushed uh, by accident. If 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 you have tripped over the invisible turtle and and flubbed your your uh, glorious charge, it's nice to know that they won't just immediately get run down if you if you had a bad roll of dice. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's 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 excellent in my opinion. Um, and then on top of that, you can load up on even more abilities and magic items and the knightly virtue for the Grail Guardian who leads them, or a magic banner granting the virtue of the impetuous knight to extend your charge range, which is you don't need, but that's insane. At the risk of impetuously charging towards the foe, the dragon slaying sword to make him a monster slayer, or the blazing banner of to add flame attacks. I need to plant a flag in the ground right now, and I need to say something. Go ahead. 
I'm fucking stunned. Right? Let me let me explain why Dr. White subscribing for the first time is the reason, but it's also uh, uh-huh. it's also because I'm so excited to have magic items and magic things back. I yeah. can't tell you how much I have argued for this in Age of Sigmar for years and years okay. and years. By assigning them points, you get to add a balance uh, to them, but it also means you can be ludicrous. Because everything isn't costed the same, which is zero, you can have stuff that's too good or not very good. And even if something that's five points, the little fantasy kid inside of me is so excited. Like the the, the sword of dragon slaying can be five fucking points. I do not care. Right. Yeah. And it's plus right. one attack against monsters. And I'm like, that's all I, I need. Like that. That's yep. all I like. I want to paint. A little bit of something, something. Uh, yeah. I'm going to paint that little color. I'm going to do a little thing. If you don't know, again, if you're playing 40k or Sigma right now, normally you get some sort of free magical item or something, or I don't know. But this, to me, was one of the key selling points for fantasy. Upgrading little characters, upgrading wizards, upgrading your whole army for little universal things is fucking that, cool. That last 100 points is, uh, is just so much fun. And also maddening to, uh, to round out. So like right now, like list building, without a doubt, List building in 40K and AOS, real easy. It's pretty straightforward stuff, um, you know. Uh, but I, again, as someone who hasn't been lost in either of those systems, like uh, you can tell me, I'm sure people still have the joy of agonizing over, um, you know, the choices that they put into their AOS list. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist because that is clearly exists. But anytime you're building a list, you're going to just spend a lot of time going back and forth on what you're going to put into it. Just the the level of granularity that a fantasy list uh, has is uh, comical uh, by comparison. And you can do so many, you can add so much little pieces of tech. um, And as the meta evolves, we're going to see lots of interesting counterplay uh, based on how you equip units, how the the tools that you give your army, what things are being, you know, um, added to lists to make sure that, you know, you can you can take on all comers. Um, and that's that's the fun part of tailoring with this level of detail. It's it, like, I, I, and again, I, I'd like to be clear that from a mechanics perspective, it's really really fun and enjoyable. But it it ties into one of the key things I love about Warhammer, which is ultimately these aren't Your just dad? these aren't just numbers. Yes, these are. There's story. They're Grail Knights. You know, there's a whole backstory. Yeah. The lore inherent in what these things are makes this much better. It's why League of Legends has hired all of the Black Library authors effectively over the years. And, you know, Mm. they made uh, that absolutely incredible. If you haven't watched it yet, the Netflix show they did was stunning. Yeah. So good. Like, because once you start to build story into these things, they become even better. And paying for magical items, I think, really, really makes this better. I'd like to be clear. So, yeah. um, uh, Then you've got the Virtue of the Impetuous Knight. Uh, which is one of the virtues, a model of this virtue, the Petrus Knight rule, in addition to this model and its unit, increases its maximum possible charge by three inches. Finally, when this model and its unit makes a charge roll, you apply a plus D3 modifier to the result, uh, which is pretty fun. Love that. So my, so my guess here is that your maximum charge range would be your movement value plus six. So like uh, the maximum charge range um, of a guy on a horse before any rules would probably be four, uh, would be the movement of the horse, which is eight plus six, which is the maximum value you can get when you roll 2d6, pick the highest, right? Yeah. So be maximum charge range before Swift Stride is 14 inches. I believe I've done the math correctly there. Mm-hmm. Swift Stride then adds another three inches to that, which means your max- maximum charge range is 17 inches. And then this 
adds another three to that, giving you a maximum charge range of 20 inches. So a real long bomb charge opportunity uh, with these guys. That's nuts. That's so far. That's so dumb. And then another D3. So basically they're rolling... 2d6, pick the highest, uh, and then plus rerolling ones. Uh, d6. Rerolling ones, plus d6, plus d3. I'm not sure if you can reroll ones on those. But, but you, you definitely can reroll ones on the 3d6 you initially roll. Uh, well, yeah, 2d6, pick the highest, yes. Oh, oh. So oh, that's yeah. fun. That's fast. That's fun. And then you've got the Dragon Slaying Sword. It doesn't say how many points it is. No, RIP. Um, it's Strength Combat User, but it's got Magical Attacks. It's got the Monster Slayer rule. So I feel the like it's not going to... Monster Slayer Slayer. Yeah, so it's not going to cost a lot of points, but it's like, like, give me like 10 different swords, lances, and axes. Like, you know, make a bunch. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so rad. Yeah. Uh, and then Magic Standard, the Blazing Banner. Again, you could just paint a flamey banner. It's so rad. Uh, a unit carrying the Blazing Banner gains the Flaming Attack special rule. And for hobbyists, hobbyists should be like screaming about this. And it's kind of upsetting. I haven't seen this a lot online. People should be screen capping this and they should be like, you know, I'm going to have a BSB in a unit or the unit, a Ground Knight guy with a Blazing Banner and they're going to paint him up. He's going to be all fiery and shit. And then there'll be another one who's got a Banner of Life or whatever. And I paint that all up green and shit. Like you should be screaming about these options, not just like, yeah, whatever. It's exciting, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's so funny. Like, I, I guess just like the existing fantasy community just takes all this as, as for granted, right? Like, these are all things that I have become very used to uh, getting to play with as I, you know, spent the last two years enjoying myself in Warhammer 8th edition, in Fantasy 8th edition. And I kind of even forget like how simplified a lot of these style of things got in, in you know, the last few editions of 40K that I played, where, yeah, you got to have some um, artifacts and things uh but you know you got one or two uh per army uh not you know an entire like kitted out super soldier of stuff which is what you used to be able to do so yeah i think uh taking it for for granted thank you for for pointing out the uh the bounty of fun rules and interactions and things that we get to do that both like drive the like that sort of that ludo narrative uh as well as uh i think sort of the meta game as well yeah, I think it's going to be very good. Uh, universal special rules provide for our character. Elite units for square knights generally have the most USRs, but even the lowlier likes to protect squires have a few tricks up the sleeve with move through cover, open order, peasantry, skirmishes, and vanguard. To find out what these do, you have to complete your questing vow by all the Warhammer the Old World rulebook. <laughs> such a, that's such a, at the end, it's like, to complete this, you'll have to give us money. Uh, is is great. Yeah, yeah it's, it feels like pastors doing like, um uh like what is it putting the tithing. out yeah they like tithing like in order yeah. to get to heaven give us money uh okay yeah. so how, what are your feelings based on what we've seen so far i know you said you've got a lot of questions and you're upset about that still uh oh, I'm, not upset. I'm not upset i'm just you know i've we, we've we've teased this out like we, we got the original tease of teases which was back in the spring they told us about sort of the guiding principles of the game and then they threw out a couple very broadly described rules mechanics, um, and then uh, and then there was nothing. And then we were just sitting around wondering uh, what was actually going to happen with the game. I guess we're what seven weeks ago now, mm -hmm. something like that. We they started they started coming out with these the articles, almanac, the almanacs, and um, and to be quite frankly, they've been literal revelations. They've been they've been really fun. Like our entire you know original run of this show has been just dissecting these things and getting into them. But they are we've got enough of a picture. Um, 
that, you know, we have a collage even of rules and there are some big, 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 big open questions, which I prefer one would love to know how they're answered. So that way we get sort of a general idea on the type of game we're going to be playing. Um, and actually, if I might segue us into a question proposed on Warhammer the Old World. I'd love that. But can I just, just get a thought? I just had exploded out my brain. Yeah, 100%. An upgrade pack. This, like, so Bretonia, as an example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if there's a budding STL designer out there, and I could also mm -hmm. speak to Tom, imagine you had an upgrade pack you could buy where it yeah. was all of the magic items that you could purchase, you know, as an upgrade pack, like fun. a three D. Do you know what I mean? Like actually, just model all of them. Just I'm model just, all of them. So this was a thing that Eighth Edition did compared to the previous ones, Ooh. which was in Eighth Edition they moved Lords of Magic, so eight Lords of Magic into the into the core rulebook, mm. and they also moved all like a, a very beefy uh, set of universal um, magic weapons, banners, equipment, arcane items, all that stuff went into the battle into the into the rulebook instead of in all of the army books. So that meant that everyone had this really robust common pool of items to pull off, pull from, uh, which was which sort of was a little bit better because most, for example, armies would have access to a specific magical sword that had like plus one strength, but not every of not all of them for whatever reason. So basically, just sort of made it a little bit easier for all of the armies to have you know access to similar buffs. I think that's the way they're going in this one as well. I think you'll see sort of a central pool of magic items and then each army book or army list is going to have additional ones to pull on uh, uh like unique ones uh to go from there um so your idea of like having cool upgrade kits i think in general uh i will say is a fantastic idea i would love to see people out there coming up with um just the arms for for tomb king skeletons um i would love to see for the empire um uh militia kit People for the for the rear ranks that could have their their pole arm, um, you know, at our like um, I can't remember what this this is called, but basically holding them upright because right now everyone is holding them straight out. It's yeah, awful. It sucks. Yeah, um, you know, like there's all kinds of opportunities because if we're married to these kits, these kits aren't far from being oak. They're not like they're not like awful. Um, they're just like there's certain elements to them that could be easily improved with just a, a couple you know pieces. Yeah, I mean, um, but so even yeah. if you even if you use already a three D like you know uh, a design from a three D sculptor, they still don't have all of these things because they weren't designed with these things in mind, right? We definitely could speak to yeah. Tom. And also, what I like is the universal magic items. You know, if flaming banner is a really universal magic, like having one for Bretonia is going to look very different to one for orcs. So it's very possible sure. to make an upgrade kit for Bretonian army only, um, yep. and then just kind of uh, mix it up. That would be so good. That ah. Oh, Ah, that's going to be so fun, fun. That's a fun idea, right? It was a fun idea. Yeah, fun idea. Okay, sorry. Uh, you then wanted to bring up the yeah the, the thing. Please go. Yeah, so we had a question. Uh, totally don't ask us questions uh, in our Discord. Actually, I think in the Discord, we're going to just create a Patreon's question channel, along with all the Renegade factions, which we'll get to, I swear to God. Renegade factions. Uh, we'll add, yeah, we're the Renegade factions, the non-core factions. We need to add, add sub-channels for those, or whatever they're called. You know, places for people to talk about chaos dwarves and lizard men and stuff. In the Discord. Um, in the Discord. Um, it's already in the tasks. I'll do it. Um, I'll do it today. Um, cool. Um, anyway, uh, but this one came from uh, Warhammer the Old World on Facebook, where we absolutely do not post links to this show. What are people's thoughts on no maximum unit size? 
Uh, this is from Ben Alexander Edwards, by the way. I've loved absolutely everything I've seen so far, but that one thing makes me nervous. Games, games are more interesting when there's a broad variety of sensibly sized units rather than a smaller number of homogenous mega blocks. Bell Heffelfinger, that's me. Any chance you'll be able to talk to that point through in your subsequent wonderfully entertaining and informative episode of Squarebase Podcast? I certainly can, Ben. Um, we can ask yeah. questions online. Oh. Um, and they tag the Facebook page. Uh, Truly the voice of the people. With. Truly. Um, so I think this is actually one of the big outstanding, outstanding questions for the game and how it works. So I think we've seen a lot of rules that, that harken back to some of the glory years of like the 6th and 7th. Again, I'm no expert on them. But I do know my 8th edition pretty well. I think I feel like I understand how it interacts and works and all that kind of stuff. And one big hallmark of 8th of, uh, of edition uh, fantasy battles was these very large units of infantry from the very Mimi 100 plus um, um, sized units of goblins or uh, Skaven slaves to just very beefy units of things like halberdiers or, you know, of around 40 models uh, or, you know, chaos warriors would often be bricked up into into big wide formations. Um, I've covered in previous editions of the sh uh, uh, episodes of the show that I think that was largely driven by one a 25% requirement that all of you, like 25% of your points had to come from core, which means you had to bring a, a fair amount of, of infantry. That's 500 points in a 2000 point game would have to come from the cheapest units that you had available to you mm. in your core general infantry. Um, the second one was there were some rules that um, also drove people to uh, double down on the fact so that you have to bring this infantry. Well, there's also some upsides. One, was this thing called Steadfast, which meant if you had more ranks than your opponent and you lost combat, um, you tested on unmodified leadership. So if you were leadership 10 and you got your got beat up real bad in, in, in combat res and you should have been rolling snake eyes, if you still had more ranks than your opponent, you were Steadfast, which means you were still rolling on your leadership 10, uh, which made it very hard for things like elite cavalry to charge into a big brick of infantry and break them on the charge, meaning that they either got stuck into these big long grind fests, or they bounced. Essentially, they would, you know, maybe win the first round of combat, subsequent rounds not do so hot, and then get broken themselves. Uh, that is kind of the, the story of, of Bretonians in Eighth Edition. Um, cavalry just didn't have the damage output to be able to break these large units. Um, and then outside of that, you had uh, what was called horde formation, which means if you're ten wide. Um, you got to fight in not just plus two ranks, because everyone could fight in two ranks in eighth. You could fight in three ranks. So if you had, uh, for example, I love running my, my unit of halberdiers in, in uh, 10 wide. That's 30 attacks from, that, from those first three ranks. Um, so you have a unit that might be um, impossible, very hard to break, and has a very high damage output. And that's all driven by the fact that uh, there's a lot of models in the unit. So why does this matter? We're talking about 8th edition, right? Right, Rob? Why am I talking about all of please, this? Please, 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 please. The reason why I'm talking about all this is that I think right now things are shaping up to have all the exact same problems as, well, if you want to call them that, problems, uh, that were encouraging big old units of infantry in 8th edition. I'm seeing them once again in this edition. Uh, the first one being... Um, that uh, essentially, instead of just units that outnumber you having steadfast, everything kind of has steadfast now. As we know from the psychology and the close combat uh, articles, um, if you, um, you know, 
uh, you know, fail the modified leadership check, but pass um, your unmodified leadership check when you lose in combat. You no longer, um, you know, break and flee because you used to always test on your modified leadership. And if you failed that, you would break and flee and you could be chased down. Now there's this thing, fall back in good order. So if you pass your leadership check on the, on the unmodified one, so let's say your leadership 10 and you pass it, um, you now don't immediately die if you get caught. You just, you just start up in another round of combat, maybe at a slight disadvantage, a little bit further away in a different place. And like, you know, you're getting charged again, all that kind of stuff. But nonetheless, you're not just wiped out, which is one of the only ways you could, you could remove big blocks of units is to break them and chase, chase them down. Now it's particularly difficult. You have to fail both your modified and unmodified leadership check to do that. So you think this is going um, to see an increase in big blocks? I think that means that big blocks are very survivable. As long as you can absorb casualties, aka have a lot of wounds, um, you're probably not getting broken. And we still don't know, you know, how other buffs leadership can appear, whether that's the general's leadership or, or re-rolling stuff or debuffs, you know, like, but still on fa at face value, if I'm a dwarf, I'm base leadership nine, probably I don't give a sh I don't care. Uh, I don't care if you, if you charge into me with your, with your grail knights and you, uh, and you kill like nine of my buddies, hmm. doesn't matter to me. I'm going to be okay. I so there's say that. I and say then there's that. wide frontage. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to finish this. Wide frontage, yes, you know, the minimum minimum size unit is the uh, 25 millimeters instead of 20. But we've seen that people who aren't in base-to-base -base contact in the front rate can still swing with, uh, you know, plus one attack. Um, that means that there is incentive to be as wide as you can be. Um, uh, there is, uh, you're not allowed to be uh, deeper than you are wide, uh, but you can go wide and have fewer ranks or for example you could be 10 by 10 and boom you got your unit of 100 goblins again um and you know you're getting a lot more guys swinging in that front row even if everyone's killed so i'm seeing a lot of incentives to have those big units again and i don't know the rest of the puzzle like the thing that the things that might mitigate those big unit sizes i still have not seen something so my thoughts are that the that like okay, so one of the things I'm actually really excited about since we played, uh, since I came over to Canada and played in Squarebase GT one, uh, Squarebase GT two on sale, um, is that I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I actually, I, I'm really questioning kill points at the moment, and I know I, I mentioned this to you, you know, last night in the WhatsApp, yeah, for me, um, and again, I'd love to talk about it in the future, pros cons other stuff but ultimately a game the Warhammer Fantasy Battles a game uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battles a game versus Age of 40k as a game is a great question because uh, both of them have their merits 40k and Age of have their merits as a game Necromunda has his merits as a game you know but Warhammer Fantasy Battle or the old world I think is the thing most on the market that's trying to be a battle simulator it's trying sure. You know, kill points is a, is my kind of like clarion call with that. They're trying to replicate, you know, armies battling it out, and arguably, very much like old world is, you know, a pastiche of like medieval Europe. Uh, people get mad at me for that for some reason, but it is. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it is it, a pastiche of like a, you know, medieval battle in many ways. You know, you've got magic and monsters, and you've got other stuff that you've thrown in there as well, of course, but. So big blocks, or I know there's like there's big blocks and there's not big blocks, but you would be, I think, 
uh, I think you would dislike a game that was more focused around, you know, blocks of five cavalry. You'd be like, well, right. yeah, yep. yeah, no, you'd be like, okay, that that kind of works. And I'm not saying, uh, yeah, I agree with David. The chat It's kind of historicals for people in denial, or maybe <laughs> it's just better historicals because historicals oh, yeah. probably it's better historicals. It, yeah, I think it's a game. It's a game that incorporates armies that look like, um, you know, ancient armies uh, all the way up to. Uh, you don't really have like uh, you know pure musket uh, like Napoleonic style armies in 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 uh, in fantasy, but you know just before that, pike and shot um, type things where you have cavalry with you know some shooting and all that kind of stuff. Like that that is definitely how it's sort of designed and, and pulled out. I think it's a good thing to have some degree of large amounts of of infantry, uh, but I think the extreme the thing the thing is that there were lots of things that pushed units to that extreme size in 8th edition, I'm not seeing the stuff that mitigates them in, in Old World. And on top of that, there's a very big fish. Rob, there's an enormous fish. There's the biggest fish we've maybe ever seen in any Warhammer game. And that fish was nuke spells. Those existed in Warhammer 8th edition. And that was one big way that you mitigated against those big blocks of infantry. That was one way that everyone had a means of, of killing those guys and had the damage output needed to like take out you know, a hundred rats, um, you know, kill two thirds of them in one dice roll. Um, you know, that was one way to do it. Those don't exist anymore. The only way I see, so, so we we're seeing a reduction, in the ability of psychology to, to get rid of units because things aren't going to break and be chased down very often by the looks of it. We don't have big death spells as a means of dealing with da dealing damage. Uh, so we don't have, you know, the, the dwellers below and the purple suns and all that kind of stuff. Which means we have just regular old damage um, from from units um, as the means of of you know dealing with with. Um, well, we also opponent. have we also have movement. You also have redirecting, um, which like you know maybe because I think skirmish rules were like they weren't janky, but like the skirmishes weren't available like you know uh, across the board. So maybe we see like a slightly more you know credence given to skirmishes. Maybe big blocks are literally just movement controlled. And it's just that's the easiest way to you know go through it. Yeah, like I mean, you're right. But if 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 we're guessing that this is a game of kill points, then then essentially the the game is you got to kill, you got to kill the other guy, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I like I just honestly believe that I don't get upset about the idea that it's a bunch of big blocks. Also, I've been playing a lot of Star Wars Shadowpoint recently, as you know. Yeah. And yep. uh, one of the things that happens in that game is that almost no models are removed in the game as you go <laughs> through the game like yeah and it's kind of odd like you you definitely you can do this thing where you can flip them to like a wounded status and they don't count for holding objectives and, uh, sure. and then, then they flip back but the the kind of bit that's exciting about it is that you like you can't really get one turn there's no real massive like when someone comes over and kills like you know wounds a couple of your clones you're like oh god but you don't go like that same feeling when like turn one you take your big model off the board it's just not the same feeling. And then right. not having that same feeling, uh, like not having that feeling, you know, happen. If Warhammer Fantasy Battle ends up with a bunch of static blocks and they don't really end up killing, I don't know, maybe that would feel like busy work. It's a great, it's, it's a great question, right? What are the feelings it's going to produce? I'm not really sure yet. I'm also, I'm not convinced, like I'm basically where I'm at is I can see a game state that if, look, if I can see the game state, if my brain... Cause I'm not like clairvoyant. Okay. I'm only going on what I've seen before. Um, clearly people have been playtesting and working on this game. Um, they've seen what's come before. 
clearly they've picked a lot of really great mechanics. They've cherry picked a lot of them and removed a lot of them. So I'm 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 confident that these are things that are mitigated somehow. The problem is we haven't seen that, and that's why I think I'm starting to grow a little frustrated by these by these dribbles of rules because I would really love to see like what what is this game kind of going to look like? You know, like is is you know is it going to be big blocks or is it even going to be the better of that? Which is some armies are big blocks of beefy infantry, booyah, and. And then, but also viably, there are these units of elite heavy cavalry that do have ways of dealing with big blocks of infantry, um, that do have ways to break uh, and chase down uh, and deal a lot of damage, um, you know, just from running things down. Maybe there are things like that that we just haven't seen yet. And I find that exciting. I just am impatient and a millennial and I want it now. Um, I also, uh, just because, just to round this off, if I might uh, start segueing towards the exits. Um, because we have the Squarebase GT coming up in 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 March, perhaps one of the first GTs on the planet. Um, I think it world. also provides uh, for old world. Um, I think it uh, also gives us the opportunity to start developing what our tournament pack looks like as soon as as soon as we do have details on this. Because um, I'm very much a proponent of look if if the game incentivizes you to have big blocks of infantry. Um, there's no reason why uh, we can't have rules about um, unit fillers and encourage people to have creative, awesome unit fillers in their in their units. There's no reason why we couldn't make that a thing. Um, that immediately removes the probably the only real issue there is with big units of infantry is that it's just a pain in the butt to put them together. Um, and also everything to do with base sizes, how we're going to deal with um, you know uh, what we expect people to do to to show uh, you know, that people are using the right um, frontages and footprint. I think, Rob, you already had a really great way to solve it. Just make sure your tray is the right frontage um, and everything else kind of can flow from there. Um, you know, we can be entirely base agnostic in our pack if we wish. Um, you know, models in general, like how do we rule? Um, I have a bunch of stone trolls that are on 50 millimeter bases. I think there's going to be a lot of AOS models that will make for very excellent proxies in this game that will be ostracized from the game because they don't fit on even the updated ones. For example, stone trolls look like they're on 40s. New, new good-looking stone trolls don't really fit on those. So do we have our own bespoke set of allowable uh, models based on what, what they are? All these types of questions, I think, will be a lot of fun to sort of answer and uh, interact with the community and develop you know, a really cool tournament packet assuming all of these answers aren't provided for us. Yeah, and when we do, when we are eventually able to work through that and open that up, we'll put that online so people can just download it and use it themselves. Because yeah, a lot of that, like, to. yeah, I've yeah. done that busy work for Age of Sigmar. I made terrain maps for Age of Sigmar, and now they just get used <laughs> the world over. And it's just because someone takes two days out to do a job, and everyone else is like, thanks, boss. Other, other, <laughs> other than us all doing it, it's not about, like, it's not about making decisions for everyone is about giving guidance and working through problems, which most people normally come yeah. to the same conclusions, but you don't have and to come to the same conclusions. And that's, and there's also the strength in numbers because gamers are, are quite cranky about, um, you know, making modifications. And a lot of people will be like, well, you got to play it out the way. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but, but this is why I love, uh, and I love to plug. In fact, I've got almost got through the whole show without plugging them, but, uh, the triple ground Wargaming guys, they created a pack that I then, um, took, and modified to my own devices. It was ready to go, made 8th edition very pleasurable to play, and that was because they had already done that work. 
Um, I didn't take what they said as gospel. I made changes to, so that was my particular brand of stew. But without their work, it would have been much harder to run such a great event a couple weeks back. Um, I think um, the same thing will go for us. When we create our own pack for our tournaments, we just put them out there. If people want to use them, fantastic. If it becomes a format, cool. If it doesn't, and it's just what we use at our events, then that's cool too. Okay. Yeah, the, I agree. Like, and I think it's super important to do so, which is really fun. I'm going to try and I'm going to start poking some people about an army builder. I think that's something I want. Like, army very soon. A big deal. Yeah, well, army, army building is, is the next week. Uh, next week is there is how to construct an army. So. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's okay. what we'll be talking about next week. Oh, uh, okay, amazing. All right, shout out to our Triple Crown guys as well who sold out their first event for the old world. It only took a few hours. Uh, uh, amazing. I think a few minutes, to be oh, quite honest. Amazing. Where's that? When's theirs? Yeah. When is theirs going to be? Is it uh, somewhere in the summer? No, May. It'll be May. Yeah. Okay. Is uh, okay. Yeah, so not, so long, not long after ours. Okay, that's exciting. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. nice. Uh, we should try and throw them some tickets or something. That'd be fun. Try and get them over. Heck um, yeah. Uh, okay, right. So if you have enjoyed the show, then I want to thank you for listening to the end of the show. It's awesome of you uh, to do that. And also for any comments you leave, liking, subscribing, watching the show, whether you've done it on Twitch or watch it on YouTube or listen to us a podcast, it's deeply grateful for your support and yeah. uh, really starting to understand that having real viewers is is an incredible thing that I hadn't really taken into account before. So uh, real people. <laughs> you've doing you've real got things. real viewers. Yeah, I know. I know. Just, just. It's mind blowing, right? So it's pretty awesome. It is so mind boggling. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you to everyone for supporting me and Val on the Square Base project, which is great. Yes, uh, Mister Val Helfinger, do you want to got any shout outs for today? Um, yeah, shout out to the commenters out there uh, for for keeping me on my toes. Shout out uh, to this game that I'm really excited uh, to play as soon as humanly possible. And okay. shout out to anybody who might be disgruntled and uh, wants to slide in my DMs. Just saying. Yeah, get in there. Get in there. Oh, oh. <laughs> thank you for being Square Base. And don't forget, from the four corners of the world to the Square Base. Thanks very much.